Hey Hoosiers, welcome back to the All Careers Considered podcast hosted by the Walter Center for Career Achievement, which is the career services center that specifically serves students and alumni in the College of Arts and Sciences at IU Bloomington. We're on a mission to help you achieve career success by supporting you in your pursuit of impactful experiences, designing your life, sharing your story, and building meaningful connections. My name is Sophie Todd. My name is Riccardi Ellie. And we're student workers at the Walter Center for Career Achievement, working with an amazing team of other undergraduate students who you'll hear from in other episodes of the podcast. You may have heard that you can do anything with a College of Arts and Sciences degree, and I'm here to show you that really is the case by interviewing alumni to ask them where they are now. Next up is this week's interview with Brad, Managing Director at Bloomington Playwrights Project. Brad influences others with his love and appreciation for theater each and every day. Brad graduated with his Bachelor of Arts in Theater and Drama from Indiana University in 2009 and received his Master's of Arts in Arts Administration in 2017. We had a great time learning more about Brad's career path, passion, and how his College of Arts and Sciences degree has influenced his life. We really enjoyed our conversation and believe you'll all find a lot of wisdom in the conversation as well. Enjoy the episode. Riccardi, take it away whenever you're ready. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today on the College of Arts and Sciences All Careers Considered podcast, Brad. To begin with, you've had a great number of experiences in the theater and drama world from working as the Associate Director of Development to your current role as Managing Director at Bloomington Playwrights Project. With that being said, Brad, would you like to start us off by telling everyone about your current role as the Managing Director of Bloomington Playwrights Project? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you both for having me on. I really appreciate that and uh, always glad to be helping out. Uh, so uh, my current job, uh, Managing Director of Bloomington Playwrights Project, a uh, little bit about the organization I work for, uh, the BPP, is uh, the only professional theater in the state of Indiana that's focused solely on new works, so new plays, new productions, new musicals. And uh, we do five shows a year. We have an international playwriting competition where we get two of those shows from. So, uh, you know, we, we we have a small army of play readers that read all of the, the shows, and then that's how we pick our, our five season or our five play season. Uh, so the things that I do at the organization are basically run all of the day-to-day operations. So this uh, my usual day can be anything uh, from working on marketing and e-blasts uh, all the way up to uh, doing finance and payroll. Uh, and, uh, and it could extend all the way to trying to find local artists to put on the walls because we have a mini gallery space inside of our uh, inside of our theater, the Ted Jones Playhouse. Uh, we're right here in Bloomington, Indiana. We're located uh, in between College and Walnut on 9th Street. And uh, so, yeah, so I have a, a multitude of jobs I can do uh, with with any part of the day. The only uh, part that I don't necessarily take care of is the artistic side of everything. So I, I sort of run the management side of uh, the organization. No, yeah, that's awesome. We definitely have to check it out sometime. I've never been in that area, so it definitely sounds interesting. Yeah, we'd love to have you down. Uh, it, it'd be a, it'd be a great time. It's an 85-seat theater. It's very uh, intimate, so basically even if you're in the back row, you still feel like you're right there. Uh, yeah. One of the things I really love about our space. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So currently, we just were interested in how you chose your field of study and what motivated you to pick the industry that you're currently in. 
Sure. So uh, my grandfather uh, was a theater director for 35 years. Uh, he was a, in high school. He was a high school uh, drama instructor, English teacher as well. Uh, and uh, he really instilled in me a love of theater uh, as well as my as well as my mother and my grandmother. Uh, we went into Chicago a lot because I'm from South Bend, Indiana, uh, and so it's uh, only about a 90 minute drive to get to downtown Chicago. And uh, we would we would go see a lot of theater. Uh, we would go see museums. It was a, a very rich uh, cultural life that I had when I was uh, younger, and and that kind of got that bug into me. And so I did a lot of acting when I was younger. Uh, you know, all, that was kind of a lot of my work experience when I was young. Was I would kind of go out and just do shows, do plays, uh, you know, anything I could kind of get my hands on to do. And uh, so. Uh, you know, I, wor I worked on that for a long time, and I talked to a lot of professional actors. So I, I, I did a, a summer uh, Shakespeare thing at, on the campus of Notre Dame, and uh, we got to work with a lot of professional actors in that capacity. And I talked to so many professional actors uh, that I realized that that was not the life I wanted for myself. Uh, so so I, even though that was kind of the trajectory I was going on, uh, after talking with a lot of actors, realizing how you know almost transient you had to be, you had to travel a lot for a lot of jobs. It was very difficult to have a steady income. You would get bursts of income and then be able to have to ration it till the next job. Uh, you know, I wanted a family. I wanted uh, you know uh, to set down roots. Uh, and I already kind of knew that even as I was like 18 or 19 and getting ready to graduate high school. So when I came down to IU, uh, I, I sort of looked at what I could do to stay in theater because I loved it and I didn't want to leave it. Uh, so I, I tried to find out what else I could do. I, I joined LAMP, which is the Liberal, Liberal Arts and Management Program. So my undergraduate degree is uh, in theater and drama, a Bachelor of Arts in Theater and Drama from the College of Arts and Sciences. And, uh, and I wanted to try to do um, something business of theater-wise because I knew that there had to be kind of things to keep it going. Uh, so I, I combined my liberal arts education through theater with business management classes that you get. Uh, you know, you take a lot of the intro to business classes that the students in Kelly would um, through LAMP. And, uh, and that kind of really propelled me uh, from there towards – where I eventually ended up. And so um, it took, a, you know, kind of a lot of interesting twists and turns to, to get there. Uh, but I started like uh, I started doing house management, which is sort of um, the piece the person that deals with the audience that comes in, trains the ushers, deals with the safety of the patrons coming in. Uh, and I started to find that was a, a good use of my skills. Uh, I realized I, I was uh, pretty good at talking with people. Uh, and kind of listening to people and their needs. So that kind of translated into uh, eventually into fundraising as well. So I made that transition. I was house managing after I got out of uh, uh, out of school. Uh, I was house managing in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, a place called uh, Barrington Stage Company. And um, I had to know all the VIP donors uh, already because I had to – if they had problems, I needed to be able to fix them really quick. Uh, and that was kind of part of my job as house manager. And uh, and so when a, a job opened up in development, I sort of made the case, well, I already know, you know, most of your VIPs and big donors. And they already know me. You know, I'd be a natural fit to kind of continue this on. So, yeah, that's kind of how we winded through to get to get to get to that point. And so, yeah. And then I, I 
I noticed I, I kept applying for new jobs in, uh, you know, in development and managing director positions, like head of the administrative side is usually what managing director means. And uh, I kept coming in second uh, and everybody uh, that got the job over me always had a master's degree. So that's why I came back to IU. I got a master's of arts and arts administration uh, through the O'Neill School. And uh, and then towards the end of that time, this position opened up, and so I, I was able to stay in Bloomington. Totally. That's awesome. And based off all your experience, like firsthand experience, do you feel like that gives you a sort of competitive edge or more like it gives you more of a – it makes you feel more connected to the people you work with? And does that help you on the management side of it, like being an actor before once yourself? Yeah, I, I think it I think it does. I think it, it helps to know all facets or all sides of the equation, right? Um, so, you know, I, I got my very artistic side fulfilled with my undergraduate, um, you know, part of my master's in, in theater and drama because you, you have to work on a crew. You have to work, um, you know, in the costume shop. You have to work building the sets. These were things that no matter what, every theater major had to do. So you got to understand each individual part of what makes theater theater. I also did a um, – I had a, a class that I just created that was like an independent study uh, with an instructor on house management. So right, the thing that I ended up doing for a little while after right after school. So I did that too. Uh, but then having the additional – uh, business classes and then going out and being on that management side, it really does help know uh, not just like the verbiage, you know, that you use and, and the kind of slang that each, uh, you know, sector uses, uh, but to understand what everyone's going through at different points in the process, right? Because someone could be super stressed out about where the show is currently. And that's something that as a manager, I have to understand. And, you know, if they're uh, if they've got some issues, like how can I how can I t make your life a little easier right now at this moment? Or you know, this is not the time to press you about this because I know this is your your tough time because I've been there, right? So I think that does really help. Yeah, definitely, it's awesome that you have that connection that most people don't have. Yeah. So what draws you to theater as opposed to other areas of art? You know, I worked uh, I, I worked opera before too. I was out at Glimmerglass uh, Opera out in Cooperstown, New York. So I did that for a while too. I love, I love theater because it was my first love, right? That was kind of where I, I first kind of just was awe inspired. I think there's also very few things like, uh, like live theater. The communal experience, um, which has been rough these last few years, of course, but this the communal experience of like shared going into a space with a, a bunch of other people and and seeing something live that is never going to be that way again. You know, it's not filmed. It's not there for all eternity. It is a moment encapsulated in time. Uh, and and feeling the reaction, every single show is different, even though it's the exact same show. And that's a wonderful thing. And I'll never get uh, away from loving that newness. Like, I can see the same show that I'm producing five times, and there'll be five different shows. And five different audiences, which adds different energy into the performances and into everything else. So I that's that's kind of why I gravitate towards theater and, and what I love about it, and especially why I love new work, right? I, I work at a new work theater, and uh, and that kind of translates too. I love I love the newness of all of it every time. Would, do you guys feel like replication is something you guys try to attain, or do you feel like having it be like a different variation each time is more like okay in the process? Oh, yeah. Well, see, that's the thing is, is theater intrinsically is that. 
right? It, it's it's never not going to be a different performance every night. You of course strive to have a similar performance every night. You want to give a you know like the show has certain beats you have to hit and you have to do all these things, right? But there are nuances within it every night that it's a little bit different, and I think that's kind of like a wonderful thing. You of course have to strive for that continuity. You, you and in fact, there's a you know the stage manager. Uh, kind of tries to make sure that because occasionally performances will start veering off from how the direction was supposed to be. And so the stage manager goes, hey, you know, just let you know, this is this is happening. We're going to try to get back towards where we were. But even if it's like perfectly, everyone's trying exactly the same every night, it'll always have differences. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And do you have a favorite experience from the Bloomington uh, Playwrights Project? Yeah. So, uh so I loved we we brought in um, we brought in a, a large group of students just recently uh, from uh, from the theater department the university players here on campus uh, and I thought it was just an amazing thing we had fifty people working on this production uh, it was a musical and that's kind of the most number of people we've ever had working on a show. We had positions we don't usually have, uh, you know, uh, on stage because we wanted to give as many uh, professional experiences to students as possible. I think that was an incredible one. Uh, we also um, we also had uh, several uh, years ago, we had uh, a show called Spun, which was really fantastic, uh, where we had, I, you know, I got to work with a whole bunch of um just amazing artists and I think like that was kind of like my favorite show it was a local writer team that was doing it but um yeah I think that was a fantastic experience too and just getting to meet uh every everybody that comes in uh because I'm I'm there every show night uh meeting and greeting people um hearing the reactions on the way out there's really nothing like hearing the reactions on the way out from from people uh it really kind of fills you back up again yeah, going off of what you just said, uh, the students you get in the like when they come out to gain that professional experience, do you feel like the students have to be the most extrovert person in order to pursue theater or drama? No, I mean there are lots of uh, positions that you don't need to be an extrovert in, uh, and I mean there are there are introverts uh, that are amazing actors too. Uh, you know, like introvert extrovert is kind of like how we recharge our batteries. Right. It's not like, uh, you know, a a lot of times people think an introvert is just someone who never talks to people and like avoids it at all costs. And that's not necessarily true. Um, There are people who are absolutely introverts in their lives and they're just amazingly gregarious on stage and big personalities. And then they recharge their battery when they go home by reading a book alone. You know, Um, so so, yeah, there I don't think that's a necessity at all. And on top of that, there are lots of behind the scenes roles where it is, you know, very technical expertise doing your job and you can do that. And, you know, very, you know, it's it's still a collaborative art form. No matter what way you look at it, you're still going to have to be talking with other people and other departments to to do, uh, you know, a piece of theater. Uh, but there, there are certainly positions where they're much less um, outward facing. You know, there. I mean, like my job uh, that I've done a lot, fundraising, house management. Those are, uh, those are things that require uh, you to do a lot of talking. 
But again, even someone, you know, I, I usually am right on the middle between introvert, extrovert when I take those quizzes, right? And, uh, and for me, you know, I, I, could, I could go either way on that, but I have to do that for my job. And then if I realize when I get home, oh, I just need to zone out and play video games for a little while, I can do that. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for those answers. I'm going to kick it off to Sophie. Yeah, awesome. Um, so I can totally relate, first of all, to the 50-50 introvert-extrovert thing. Yeah, I yeah. am like the same way. I consider myself 60% extrovert, 40% or introvert, 40% extrovert. So yeah. I completely get that. I also want to ask you too, like, what are some of other skills besides maybe like communication that you just brought up that are necessary for both like working in the arts in general, but also as a, a manager? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, especially I, I would say for theater, you have to be able to be collaborative. Uh, you have to be the type of person um, that is OK with, you, you know, not getting exactly what you want. Um, right. So like there there are some artists like, you know, like a 2D artist, their vision on that canvas or on that sculpture is absolute. Uh, and and that's perfectly fine. And that works well. But when you – with theater especially, it's a collaborative art form. If your answer to me as the manager when I, when I bring up an issue or a problem that we're going to have to solve together – and that's always the key, right? We have, we're going to solve it together. If your first instinct is just to say no, you're probably not in the right field um, you know, because theater is inherently a collaborative art form. Even the director has certain constraints. Right. Like there's a budget and, you know, yeah. but, you know, like, uh, you know, we're not going to have like laser. Like we're doing a heist play in in May. Um, you know, maybe we don't have lasers and a real diamond, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. um, so everybody has to collaborate there. There, you know, there there can't be uh, someone who just says no out of hand all the time. I think that's a that's a key. Um, so teamwork. Like the ability to work within a group mm -hmm. is important for for my set of the my side of the field, right? So uh, I think that's that's definitely a big thing. That sounds like it's something that could maybe like present a challenge for certain people coming into the arts or starting to work in theater um, because it it requires so much collaboration and especially when you get into a field that people have different artistic visions, like Correct. being able to sacrifice a little bit and mm -hmm. collaborate. Um, in order to work with the team that is like required for theater yeah. sounds like a big challenge for that field, mm -hmm. um, which leads straight into my next question about like what are besides maybe the collaboration aspect, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've had like working in the arts, working in theater? And then what have you done to like come to terms with these or overcome those challenges? Yeah, I you know, um, one of the questions I've been thinking about before this interview is, is kind of like that. Um, so, you know, when I got into theater, even though I sort of did the business classes uh, to get to there, I didn't really understand how much of a business it still is, right? So, like, I'm working, you know, I've worked in nonprofit theater for, uh, you know, gosh, 15 years now or so. And in that time working on the administrative side, you know, I've realized how much it really is a business like you, you know, people hear nonprofit and a lot of times think, you know, oh, it's just not meant to make money. And mm -hmm. that's not correct at all. It just means that any money we do make, we're putting right back into making the art better 
and moving on to next year and putting some in a fund to uh, help, you know, when things break, you know, and doing a renovation. You know, it just means we're not enriching our own pockets if it does better. We're putting it back into, you know, the space and the theater. And because of that, it is insanely important to still be a good business person. And so I didn't realize that part of it, just like how intense it still is to run it like a business and really try to make, a, you know, an actual profit and turn a profit because that'll just make things better in the future for your next upcoming shows. So, uh, you know, I thought that was that was a key uh, a key piece to it. And when you're working at, like, a local theater like Bloomington Playwrights Project, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to, like, Broadway, which for non-theater people, like, that's probably the first thing they think of when they think of theater, and yeah. that gets so much national attention. Right, and those are for-profit theaters. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how does, um, like, working in a local theater and facing the challenge of, like, still having to run a business, like, how does... How do you think about that and like what do you like about working in such a local like a smaller theater community as opposed to like maybe a national one? Yeah, I mean, here I know everybody that I work with really well. Uh and they all, you know, most of most of the people I work with a lot live locally, so you you build these artistic relationships and a shorthand with people that's a lot harder. Uh they still do it in Broadway sometimes where directors will have their you know, oh, I always work with this designer, you know, sort of thing. But um, by and large, it's it's easier there. The other thing that I always come back to is because of the size of Bloomington Playwrights Project uh, and other theaters that are of that similar ilk, that size, um, you know, a big organization, even a big nonprofit, uh, is not going to be able to make changes really quickly, whereas I can make a change almost instantly. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, it's it's akin to like I can change a rowboat immediately, but it takes a long time to make sure the Titanic doesn't hit an iceberg. Mm. Uh, and so uh, for me, when the pandemic happened, for instance, we were able to easily move to something else quickly. You know, we didn't we didn't have to we didn't have just like one way to to raise money or raise funds. We had a lot of different ways um, we can change around. um you know, the way that we do fundraisers and galas and things like that, we did it instantly, whereas some organizations, like, their budgets are huge portions of the budgets are like, okay, we need this big fundraiser to do really well. Well, you know, for for us, the margins weren't so massive, so we were, we were able to go, okay, well, we're going to do a different type of fundraiser. And we've actually changed our big fundraiser. Like, three years ago, we had a fundraiser that was like a traditional gala. Then we did a different model the next year where it was uh, it was dinners at multiple people's houses over the course of a month, right? It solves several different problems, and we made significantly more funding doing that. But that was a risk, mm -hmm. and we're able to take those risks, and we're able to do that very quickly, whereas bigger organizations aren't that nimble. Yeah, I um, love your analogy of, like, a rowboat. Like, it's easy to fix a yeah. rowboat, but it is not as easy to fix the Titanic. <laughs> yeah, that is a perfect yeah. analogy, I think. Um, and I think, like, people forget sometimes that, like, on local levels, like, change can happen fast because um, it's a smaller organization. And so I, I think that's um, a great example, too, of, like, being able to adapt um, to challenges, especially, like, when COVID was ongoing. So um, I love all that you just said. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about, like, for students who are maybe thinking about going into theater, going into arts management, um, 
coming out of a pandemic, what what advice do you have for students who like maybe want to work in the same field as you? Yeah. So um, I think the things that you need to a couple things you need when you work in this field, especially, you know, nonprofit theater, uh, performing arts in general, you have to you really love what you do. Um, there's sometimes I don't necessarily agree with it, but sometimes uh, advice is given. And I was given this advice when I was younger, too. If you could literally do anything else with your life, go do that. Um, and it's it's not necessarily true, I don't think, but it's it's a prevailing theory within my industry um, because you, you really have to love what you do to do uh, nonprofit arts and nonprofit theater and uh, and get fulfilled by that. Um, you know, I, I had someone tell me a, a long time ago uh, because I, I was, you know, working in administration and I was in a different building, uh, you know, all the time. And I really wasn't, you know, I wasn't on the stage. I wasn't doing a lot of things. And someone told me, you know, you need to go touch the art every day. Um, and I really loved that. And I really resonated with that. Just like going in. And it's beautiful now because, you know, I work right above the stage so I can go and check on the progress that was made on the build today. I can go sit in on a rehearsal for a little bit. I can remind myself about all the wonderful reasons why I do what I do. And, you know, and, and it's just a, a kind of a glorious thing. So I think, um, one, you have to love what you do. Um, and sorry, what was the second part of the question? I, it, Oh, just what advice you would have for students um, if they're wanting to join that field or maybe even like as they're coming yeah. out of COVID and seeing an industry that has had to make a insane, lot of changes. A lot yeah. of changes. But, you know, I think like every field, we've had a lot of turnover, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there are opportunities. And I think if you want them, you can go get them right now a lot more than a lot of other times. Mm -hmm. It's sort of a hidden silver lining is that with so many people switching jobs, changing professions, changing careers, getting out, you know, like so many people got out of theater uh, and, you know, started doing other things because they needed to during the pandemic. And now that theater is kind of coming back again and we're doing more performances, now there are spaces that are to be filled, right? It's also the perfect time to to try your hand out at a lot of different things. Um, I I got a lot of my jobs just simply from um, not that I not that I super encourage uh, free labor, but I I went and volunteered a lot of different places just to kind of like get my feet wet and mm -hmm. see if I liked something. Right. So so I like I volunteered at BPP when I was in grad school because I, I was like, oh, you know what? I should just reacclimate myself with Bloomington Theater mm -hmm. again. So I went and volunteered for BPP and just helped them out on a couple things, including their big gala that year. Like that was a big deal. And I think, um, you know, it's especially if you if you have the runway to do that, uh, that's a wonderful thing, too. But it's it's actually a pretty good time to try to get back into performing arts as everything's opening up again and a lot of people have sort of left the industry or changed professions or I mean that's a that's pretty much almost every sector right yeah. now. Right. Yeah, that's really good to hear because I know like going through COVID, hearing about the theater industry, performing mm -hmm. arts in general yeah. just seemed it was I mean, it was hard. We're kind of the last but... sector back, really. Yeah. I mean, truly, um, you know, for people who are very COVID conscious, especially uh, the prospect of coming into an enclosed space with a whole bunch of other people can be a little bit daunting. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we we did a lot of, you know, safety precautions. Uh, you know, we we required a booster for our last show. 
to come in or a negative test within the last 24 or 48 hours. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we've, we redid our uh, HVAC system. We got some money from the government to do that. Um, so we, you know, helped out there. Um, but still, you know, there's there's a lot of people that are very hesitant. So we're, we're kind of the last industry that's really coming back. Yeah. Is these like performing arts venues where you're very close to a lot of other humans in an enclosed space uh, and uh, and not like in a dining situation, which everyone kind of just accepted. Yeah. Much more. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of acceptance for that. But I'm very <laughs> glad to hear that. Theaters back or is coming back on the it's on the rise again. Yes, so yes. live in person theater. We've been doing yeah. live theater actually through the pandemic. Uh, we did this really cool thing where um, you know we we put things on Zoom. We we're, we're a new play theater, so we paid writers, directors, designers, everything to do live work that we would simulcast every night from our mm -hmm. uh, you know in a very distant way, you know socially distant way from our uh, space, and they were all one person plays. And we also shipped a box to you if you bought the show. And it was interactive. So it wasn't just static Zoom content, mm -hmm. which we really did not like. Um, but, you know, like you talk about the ability to change quickly and change courses quickly. I mean, I turned the BPP into a Henry Ford assembly line, you know, making these boxes and mm -hmm. shipping them out and doing all the logistics for that. You know, that became a big part of my job on, you know, just like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, we've been doing live theater, but live in-person theater is just such a different experience and it's it's so necessary I feel like so yeah what a um what a great way to like combine creativity and adaptability into like a thing that creates solutions and also allows like theater to continue even when everyone's in their houses as someone who yeah. sat on static zoom meetings for like a year and a half I yeah. did not enjoy them so it's very it's, cool it's the thing I'm most proud of yeah I mean really it, you know like the the ability and and usually in the nonprofit world uh, the ticket sales do not cover the cost of doing a show. That's mm -hmm. that's why we take in donations and grants and everything else. Uh, and so that show or those series of shows last season made money off their ticket sales. They were so successful. And there were other theaters around the country that said we, – we asked. We were like, do you, do you want to get in on this? And so there were, uh, there were 24 theaters around the country, um, 35 different states uh, – several different countries too that we shipped boxes to that watched things uh and we were simulcasting it all from here in bloomington indiana that's awesome yeah. that is so cool to hear like the global could reach not be too. could not be happier with how it turned out last year yeah wow that's really cool um i want to go back to just something that you said a couple minutes ago about when you we're told by someone to like go touch the art, like mm -hmm. go be with the art that you're helping create and that you're administering and managing. Like, and I think that's a really good lesson for people who are, I think a lot of students find it difficult to maybe like mix their passion with like their career. And I think that's something like a lot of students might struggle with, especially like in the arts. And so mm -hmm. to have advice, like go touch the art, go be with the art, like, yeah. is a great lesson, I think, for combining a passion with a career and being able to have both in the same place. So I think that's um, a really beautiful lesson. I want to ask you like one last, a little sillier of a question, and then I'll toss it back over to Riccardi to close us out. Um, but you used to be a performer, so I'm wondering if there are any like 
embarrassing but now funny moments that you had when you were on stage as a performer oh yeah i was so okay so i was doing the shakespeare in the in the park at notre dame mm -hmm. and i was doing um I, I, well i can say it because i'm in a theater macbeth and um and so i was doing macbeth and i had done macbeth actually a couple of times before and played a multitude of roles i was macbeth once you know uh you know i was um uh, duncan once uh you know and then this 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 time uh, you know, I was a lead in a different show, but they needed me as sort of, you know, a, a bit player in Macbeth outside. And uh, I went up to Macbeth and flubbed my line and ended up calling uh, Macbeth my father, <laughs> which is not the case. I'm like just a random steward that's supposed to be giving him information. And yet I called him like dad. And, uh, and it was almost impossible to recover that scene uh, because he was just, he was just cracking up basically mm -hmm. that I had flubbed this line. I had realized it too. There was another one um, that comes to mind uh, when I was in high school, uh, I was doing uh, South Pacific and um, we're supposed to start a scene. I was playing Captain Brackett who is kind of like the head commander on the island in, in South Pacific. And uh, we're, we're supposed to start the scene. Light's supposed to come up. I've got um, Cable who's the, uh, romantic lead, uh, you know, one of the romantic leads, and Emile Debeck, who's the other romantic lead, and then I'm, you know, the captain. And we get there, and the guy who's playing Emile Debeck uh, isn't there. So we have to start immediately riffing because <laughs> otherwise there's going to be dead. And he has the first line. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, my my uh, 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 co-actor and, and myself, we just started uh, riffing. Uh, basically summarizing the plot so far <laughs> as if the audience wasn't watching it, I guess. And uh, and then finally, I remembered there was a prop of a, uh, you know, a fake bottle of scotch. And so I just like, as we're waiting, I'm still like, well, because in my head, I'm like, this is, this is not going well. Someone would drink in this situation. So I pulled out the fake scotch and we started riffing there from the, the table. So that's always a, a fun thing when you're kind of, oh. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, you calling Macbeth dad reminds me of like when students <laughs> in classrooms like call their teachers mom or dad. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Hard to recover from that. Yeah, but... it's hard. It's hard to recover from that. You're yeah. right. But now it's in the past, so it's funny mm -hmm. now. Probably not in the moment, but funny yeah. now. So um, I'll toss it back to Riccardi to close us out. Yeah, well, Brad, thank you so much for coming out and talking to us for all mm -hmm. your words of wisdom, and we appreciate your time. Great. Um, you know, kind of like a final word little thing or Yeah. Okay, great. Please go for um, it. yeah, so uh kind of riffing off of uh what I think is important for for students who might be listening to this podcast. Um, I think it's really important as you're getting the uh theoretical knowledge for your field, whatever that is, whether it's the arts, whether it's business, whatever it is anything. I think it's really important to also get the practical aspects of it to do internships. Um, and there's a greatly uh, push in our industry to have paid internships, and I hope that continues. But, um, you know, to, to do internships, to, to do part-time jobs, to really, like, you know, get, get yourself acclimated to uh, the working world before you have to enter it in, in, a, in a much bigger way. Because I feel like a lot of times, um, you know, uh, you'll get applicants or I'll get applicants who 
have you know not had very much work history at all. They're just sort of coming out with a degree, and then there's a bigger learning curve on how to deal with interpersonal dynamics of working in an office with other people with varying degrees and personalities and different wants and desires. And I think it's important um, to get those uh, ahead of time. I also think it's important to lean into uh, all the different aspects, uh, especially of the liberal arts education, uh, to to have all those different pieces of knowledge. Uh, I I connect with so many donors on a much uh, broader level because I can talk about a much broader level of, of things, right? So as opposed to just really focusing in on one thing and you know that one thing and you do it really well, you know, there is a there's a big difference there. Um, and it's why, you know, like big engineering firms and big, uh, you know, um, accounting firms need uh, need people that sometimes can talk to other people or write something else. Because if you're highly focused, sometimes you miss out on all those things that the liberal arts education gives you. So I would just suggest to continue to pour into those things, find the things that you liked, of course. Um, but to continue to really strive for being a well-rounded person, because I think it only behooves you uh, in in not just my field, but in almost every field to have that broader base of of education going forward. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's oh, great and, advice. And, and network, because I got oh, yeah, literally yeah, all of my – I have to plug one more plug. I got the job that I currently have now because, again, I, I volunteered, and I made sure just to talk with – you know, the people that were in charge of the companies and say, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm currently searching now in other areas, you know, I want to be a house or I want to be a, um, a managing director or I want to be, you know, a, a development director. And so everybody knew what I wanted to do. And then the person who had the job before me, the managing director before me, uh, you know, I ran into her out on this, you know, street in Bloomington. She's like, oh, I've been meaning to talk to you. I'm going to be leaving soon. And I already told the uh, executive director, the producing artistic director, I think you should be the one to take the job. And that was all from the networking I had done. And it wasn't like anything ridiculously hard. It was just me having a conversation about what I wanted to do next and then talking about the organization that I was kind of just helping out with. But because of that, I got this job and everything has kind of like fell into place here. Yeah, that's amazing because I feel like a lot of IU students are kind of intimidated by networking. They yeah. feel like mm -hmm. talking to older people is kind of scary. Mm -hmm. With your example, you're just conversating with Telling them what you wanted to do in the future. So yeah, perfect. yeah. I mean, like the thing is, a lot of uh, people, you know, you say older people, right? Then, of course, when you're in college, a lot of people are older than you, right? But um, a lot of the people just really want to know about you, right? If they strike up a conversation, you strike up a conversation with them. That, to me, is even now intensely interesting. Like when I run into students, I always ask them, what do you want to do in the future? What's going, you know, what's going on? And all you have to do is just really – talk about it and just be able to say, yeah, this is the kind of stuff that I want to do. And you never know where that's going to pan out. Yeah. Confession time. I am IU student can intimidated by networking. <laughs> but as someone who works at the at the Career Center mm -hmm. and from stories like yours, Brad, like I can only emphasize the importance of networking, of making those connections, because it's it's scary. It's challenging at first, it feels like. But I have only ever heard like good things come out of networking and yeah. people like you get jobs based off of that. And so I will second your plug for networking. <laughs> I think that's a great tool, um, a great, great thing to do, clearly. 
Well, sorry for taking us a little bit over, but I really wanted to to pull that in. And again, thank you so much, both of you, for having me. Oh, no worries. Thank you for so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Brad. Absolutely.